It takes more than great combinatoric skills to be a great software engineer. This is episode 104 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I am your host, Jameson Dance. Uh, Soft Skills Engineering is a podcast where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. Oh man, I suck today. Thank and you, Jameson. We also, <laughs> we have some Patreons, some patrons. One day I'll say <laughs> it's their fault for making up a stupid nonsense word. Patreons <laughs> is not a word and I okay. want it to be. We have some patrons that we want to thank yes. for supporting our podcast. That's uh, Ken Howard, Sean Clayton, and Dustin Coates. Thank you all for supporting at such a high level. And we really appreciate everyone else's support too. If you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash softskillseng, or you can find a link on our website there and uh, it'll help keep us supported. It'll help pay for hosting and design and, and other fun things that make the experience better for y'all. Thank you very much. All right. We have a couple of questions today, I think. Yeah. Do you want me to read the first one? Yeah. Why don't you go ahead? This is from a listener named Mark. I went through the interview process. And as a last step, I had an interview with the VP of engineering. At the end of the interview, he asked if I had any questions for him. I didn't know what to ask. What do you ask? Oh, what do you ask a VP of engineering? Oh, that's a question you could ask the VP of engineering. Yeah. Okay. You could get meta. Yeah. I like that. If you, you were me, what would you ask you? <laughs> How much money should I ask for? <laughs> <laughs> what's the most amount of money I could ask yeah, for? Yeah, what's and the you maximum still... <laughs> number? <laughs> Perfect. Why don't we ask that? That's kind of ridiculous. We don't ask. Yeah, anything. maybe I'll try that. Actually, I did try that last <laughs> time and it didn't work. What did they say? They said a bunch of words that meant, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> you need to come up with a number. <laughs> <laughs> they said a bunch of words that meant, I'm better at negotiating than you. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I play a Dungeons and Dragons game with some some friends around here. We play every couple of weeks usually. And last night we were negotiating to purchase a horse. And the negotiating tactic that was used was one of the characters told really boring stories until the <laughs> shopkeeper just like gave up. Fine. So maybe maybe that's what you could try. It was based around tea and all the varieties of tea and all the methods of preparing tea and then it branched out into all the different kinds of leaves and plants and just like flora in general. And I guess what I'm saying is try to roll a dice and if the number on the dice is high, then you just show it to them and you say... <laughs> I passed my <laughs> skill check. Uh, so you got you to bump that number up. You got to pony up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you just start by asking how much the VP makes? Yeah, exactly. Say, I would like $1 more than that, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Have you, have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to some leader in, in the company you're interviewing for and they're like, do you have any questions for me? And oh yeah and I you're feel like, like nope <laughs> well no i don't sometimes in my head i think nope but also in my head i think the point of this is to get a job and saying nope doesn't help me get a job so right. mm -hmm. i'll just think of stuff that makes me sound smart to ask sometimes <laughs> yeah if you, in fact asking no question is probably worse than asking dumb questions at this point yeah i think so nope, and this is a I'm pretty good. common no question <laughs> I, I actually, actually I have one question where's the door 
<laughs> I have I have asked no questions when I just really did not want uh, the job yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a way of, of shortening the interview. <laughs> but yeah, this is a pretty common thing, I think, to meet with a, a higher up boss person, mm-hmm. maybe even higher up than you would deal with normally in your day to day. Yes. Uh, it feels like they just kind of like to spot check the interviews. And I don't even know if there's a standard thing they're looking for across companies, but it's just like they just want to swoop in and make sure your face doesn't cause them horrible pain or (laughs) I don't know, some kind of sanity check. Oh, the VP engineering vetoed another candidate because the face caused pain. (laughs) Actually, there was one that was pretty technical and I, I did some whiteboarding, but most of them have just been like chatting about the business and the team and things that that person knows about. Yep. Dave, I know you have some questions. <laughs> I want to hear them. I wrote down some really great questions. Okay. But I feel like it would be unfair just to read them all out loud. So okay. Instead, Do you want to intersperse them through our discussion? No. Instead, I just want to ask you these questions, and I want you to give the best answer you can think of. Okay. Yeah. So, number one, how far away is the Earth from the sun in smoots? Um, so... I know with 100% certainty that a smoot is a unit of measurement uh, based on platinum ounces. <laughs> and when pounded down into coins, they're they're pretty small. So I'm going to say it's uh, several hundred trillion smoots away. <laughs> so you got to stack all those smoots. You are off by a few orders of magnitude. No, the, a smoot is the height of a professor smoot from MIT. Uh, and the students huh. one year measured the length of the Mass Ave Bridge in smoots and then wrote it down on the bridge. Okay. It's like 340.2 smoots long, plus or minus one year. But the sun. Oh, right. Yeah. So the sun uh, is 93 million miles away from Earth on average. And so converting 93 million miles to smoots, uh, it's a lot of smoots. More than several hundred trillion smoots? No, less than that, I think. Oh, okay, I was yeah, okay. I, I was I too high. I think it's in the billions. Well, I mean, I thought I thought Smoot was a shorter man. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you thought he was the size of a pounded coin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is pretty short. <laughs> okay, um, so you got that one wrong. Okay, that was the bad question to ask. Dang it! You're not doing so great because it made me look bad. <laughs> okay, that was a good example of what not to do in an interview. Trivia is off the table. All right, ne- next question. Who do I have to know to get around? To, oh, dang it. I screwed it up. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, you're over for two. <laughs> okay. Who do I have to know to get ahead around here? That's the question. I mean, I think you need to know a man named Dave. <laughs> uh, he knows everything. He runs everything. <laughs> He's always right. Get on his good side and you'll go far. All right. That's all I wanted to know. Okay. Last question. Which way is the door so I can leave now? <laughs> <laughs> it moved since you first walked in the room. <laughs> we have like a inception situation. It's on the ceiling now. <laughs> also, we have a different door for candidates who will be given a job offer from those who have been rejected. Yeah, it's like the cartoon style trap door under your feet. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the nearest door? Right under you. Beep. <laughs> Whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> we've sent our drones they're on their way to pick you up <laughs> um 
Yeah, I, I don't think I really have approached this very deliberately in the past. I feel like if the interview's gone well, I'm usually pretty comfortable by that point. So this part goes well too. And if it's gone poorly, then it doesn't matter. So I don't care <laughs> that much. <laughs> I've never felt enormous pressure, I feel like, to like nail the the boss of my boss style interview. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm thinking about it, it feels like I mean, one of one of the goals is to get you the job, right? Assuming you want it. So there, there are questions you could ask that make it clear that you're interested and that you're engaged and you care about the problem space and you want to help and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. asking about like the business and financials and, and future plans and things that this type of person might know about and think about, I think would, would help with that. And then there's also just questions that will help you figure out if you want the job that this person might be able to answer they might not be the best person actually because they don't it's not like they know much about your day-to-day work if there are a few levels above you Mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna say the style of question i like to ask here is the kind of question that you ask yourself after having started a new job maybe you're a couple months in and you say to yourself boy i wish i had known x before i started (laughs) And so if you can kind of get those questions out of the the interviewer um, before you start the job, you can make a more informed decision. Like, boy, I wish I had known that this team was actually the team that sweeps the kitchen floor every night, you know, like, and not the one that writes code. (laughs) Are you likely to get a straight answer to that kind of question, though? Or I guess, hopefully, you know the answer to that. But I mean, a question I could I could think of is like, how good is my manager? You know, like I probably interviewed with them, but you know, several of the managers and where do you rank them compared to the other ooh, ones? And ooh, I don't yeah, think they you, would I don't think, tell yeah. you. I don't think you would get an honest answer to that one. But yeah, um, it's like this weird, it has to be all stuff of our that's managers interesting, are but wonderful. sensitive. What's that? All of the managers are wonderful. Yeah, exactly. I can't possibly choose between my children. <laughs> I love them all the same. I would rank them all in first place. Yeah, they're stack ranked um, <laughs> sideways. <laughs> it's more of a Q ranking. <laughs> no, it's yeah. It's more of a uh, like a, a hash table ranking, and they're all in the first bucket. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you can ask questions like, "Tell me about what the different groups in the organization do. Where, how are the responsibilities broken down?" And you can get a sense for who does what. What's the more important work? What's the uh, What's the grunt work, you know? And um, it, I think it's really helpful to try to get a, a sense for where you're going to fit into the organization when you if you, if you take the job. Yeah. And you, you might be able to derive from that some of the answers to the questions that, you know, about, I wish I had known this before I started. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of asking about bigger picture things because that's likely to be on their mind more than mm-hmm. what what bug was fixed recently or something like that yep um uh, a question i usually ask is what how how will i know if i'm being successful or or what would what would i do that would make it me successful to you you know just great great question what are they looking for kind of thing uh i've gotten some really waffly answers to that though sometimes it's just like you'll just crush it You'll, you'll just be killing it all the time, 24-7, nonstop crushing. Okay. Well, you just learned something about that leader. Yeah. 
I like to ask what keeps them up at night. Like, what are some of your biggest concerns and worries? Like about life or work? <laughs> no, about work. Like what about the what about the breakdown company? of civil disagreement in our <laughs> discourse today in the United States of America? <laughs> um, I like to ask what makes your team unique. Like, what are some of the unique strong points that you see in your team that other engineering teams don't have? Hmm. And by the way, if you get a dodgy answer to some of these questions or a non-answer, that in and of itself is an answer. And the answer may very well be, oh, this person hasn't thought about that question much. And that's a data sure. point. You know, that, that's useful information. Don't just write that off as, oh, not applicable. It's applicable. Yeah. I think if I did this again, I would just be curious what their day-to-day -day is like. And I don't know that that would necessarily help me or make me look better or worse for the job, but just like, what do you do all day <laughs> as a VP of engineering, you know, like, yeah, it, it probably depends on the size of your organization a lot, but I like to ask them, like, tell me about some of the highlights of your work here. What are you most proud of? What are some of the great things that have happened in your time at this company? Uh, that'll give you a sense for what they value and what, what makes them tick, which I think is yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, that's a good one. I think you need to take the opportunity to give them a very direct, hard-to-refuse invite to a social event at your house. <laughs> I'm having a little get-together with some friends. <laughs> I'd really like it if you could be there. <laughs> what do you say? What are you measuring here? Like their social gracefulness? Uh, if they're going to be your friend or not <laughs> by coming over to your house. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably measuring their ability to say no without offending you. <laughs> I'm going to have a little get-together with my friends tomorrow night. Can you bring the oven-baked turkey? Yeah, okay. First, before you do this, you need to talk to the salespeople and just learn sales real quick. And then you need to <laughs> turn this into a sales pitch to have this person come like grill some steaks or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> crochet some scarves at your house <laughs> i like that okay well i think we pretty much have covered the full breadth of possible questions you could ever want to ask a vp of engineering yeah pretty much good luck <laughs> your your job now is to discern determine which of these questions are real and which ones were just for comedic effect <laughs> they're probably like well none of these were funny so i assume they're all real <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got to get out of here. Next okay. question. All right, I'll read this one. <laughs> okay, this comes from an anonymous listener who says, I'm a front-end web developer on a Scrum team. Our product owner is also our tester, but she has a very busy schedule and she hardly has any time to test anymore. My team thinks we need a second product owner, but I think we should hire a dedicated tester to help the product owner. How do I convince my team and my manager to hire a tester instead of a second product owner? We don't work with scripted test plans or anything. So I think a dedicated tester would be a huge benefit to our team and our deliverables. I like this question because there's one question, which is how do I convince my team to do this thing I want to do? And underneath it is a question that I actually thought it was, which is what about testing <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. how should we test stuff? Or should I hire a tester, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is interesting to me. I have been at places that had manual dedicated QA people. Mm -hmm. And I've been at places that didn't. Mm -hmm. And I feel like 
I feel like the quality was pretty similar in both places or both mm. of these situations, but in the the environments where developers were responsible for the quality of their own work, um, there was a lot more ownership. Interesting. In what way? Um, I mean, it's really hard as a human to not throw something over the fence to testing when it's someone else's job to test your stuff. I see. So, so I mean... You, you pay lip service to like, yeah, we'll, we'll test it. I, I'll, I'll make sure it's tested before I put it in whatever environment this, this tester uses it. But it's, it's, there's just a safety net there that mm -hmm. lets you get away with stuff. And I think it's the incentives are pretty strong to push you away from uh, building. For, I mean, the, the, the lowest level is just like test it manually yourself and then it, goes up from there around automation and process and eliminating the need to manually test as much. Okay. So on one side of the spectrum, you have a strong ownership argument. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have software without bugs. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I wish I slept more than two hours last night because <laughs> I want to say stuff and it's not coming out. Basically, I'm skeptical that hiring another tester will solve problems more effectively than having the team own the quality of their code and put mm -hmm. and invest into that instead of just put another person on it. I think I think an implicit in this question is an assumption that I want to challenge, which is that it, the product owner has to do the testing. Um, the question says, the product owner has a very busy schedule and hardly has any time to test anymore, which tells me that the product owner maybe used to be the primary QA for the team. And in my experience, the product owner should not be doing QA or testing. They should be validating that what the engineers built matches their expectation, but they should not be like exploring every corner case and, and validating that every little feature works according to the spec. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. And I hope with a good night's sleep, I, I would have been able to say it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you would have. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I assume that this is how the team was set up. So at some point, someone decided this was how it worked. But I, I agree that's not ideal. I think sometimes the product owner steps in because no one else is stepping up and mm -hmm. they feel like they're the last barrier between developers and and the real world so yeah. like no one else is doing it i guess i will or maybe maybe some bugs have slipped through in the past and the product owner is like i'm gonna make sure no more bugs slip through yeah exactly exactly in in both of those scenarios uh there is an ownership problem someone has failed to own qa because it should not be the product owner's job to make sure bugs don't slip through to production that is an engineering function in my opinion and whether you have a dedicated tester or not uh it shouldn't be up to the product owner to do that for you yeah, the other thing is scripted test plans, and that's definitely a thing, and it has a place, but to me, it feels like there's not a lot of tooling or infrastructure around testing, so just putting another person on it. I, I have seen that in practice, where there's just a lot of people manually running through stuff without a, mm -hmm. a ton of infrastructure, and it doesn't scale very well, and adding more people doesn't increase yeah. the quality very much, and it also increases the communication overhead quite a bit. So I feel like no matter what you do, um, investing in tooling and processes is helpful. I think a lot of this depends on the kind of software that you're building. In my experience, 
Uh, if you're building internal software used by the company employees or backend services that can be inherently tested through automation, uh, you know, fully tested through automation, you may not need dedicated QA people. But if you're building like consumer facing or external customer facing UI and stuff like that, I have found that a dedicated QA person or team can make a big difference in the quality of the software. But in every really? case, oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But in every case, hmm. um, I've noticed ownership goes down a little bit, just like you, you know? And I think what happens is the test burden is so onerous sometimes. Like, okay, we, we support seven browser versions and on different operating systems, things behave differently or whatever it is. And someone's got to own the monotonous process of testing that, whether it's through automation or manual. And you just, for whatever reason, engineers don't generally do that. And and so when you hand it off to another team, I've noticed uh, the engineers say, well, you know what? I'm going to test it in Chrome on my MacBook Pro, and I'll just see what comes out of QA, you know? Yeah. So I don't think this is a slam dunk argument. And so uh, to answer the question in here, which is how do I convince my team well, you better have some pretty compelling evidence because I think you'll know, you, what you'll find is that uh, it's hard to make a strong case with concrete supporting facts for either approach. Yeah, the, the product owner doing all the testing really just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. That just seems bad. Yeah, me too. It, it seems like a like some scar tissue built up around pain, but not an effective way to operate and not scalable for sure, as you're already seeing. And so I guess I could see why hiring another person to do the testing, to take that off your product owner's plate is appealing. But I mean, your product owner is super busy, but she also knows the product super well, which probably makes her a pretty effective tester and hiring a new person. They won't know the product at all. There's a, there'll be a pretty big ramp up mm -hmm. Could be for them to get effective with it. I, I do think, I don't know. I just feel like developers are the, the best at testing their stuff. I mean, there's, there's some, like, there's a debate raging in my heart because part of me <laughs> wants to say, like, just do more integration tests. And the other part is me is like, but integration tests are horrible. <laughs> they're so painful. <laughs> it's they're, the, the trade-off, the trade, it's not the trade-off, the tipping point where they start to hurt more than they help, I feel like is a lot lower for integration mm -hmm. tests than mm -hmm. other kinds of tests. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that I love it when debates rage in your heart? Oh, it's just the best. Yeah. It is. You love it when debates rage in my heart. Yes. I just love I love the heart rage debates that go on inside you. <laughs> can you hear it through the microphone? <laughs> I can like feel the heat coming off my headphones when that happens. It's so cool. Yeah. Cool. So let me um, let me Skype's pose pretty good. <laughs> Let me pose this question a slightly different way from the way the question asker asked it. So the, the question is, our PO is too busy to do all the testing. Jameson and I have said, categorically, that sounds wrong. Your PO should not be responsible for quality, not be the only person responsible for quality. But secondly, if you do hire a second product owner and you task that product owner with QA, I think there's a good chance that product owner will be gone in about six months. Because typically when people apply for a product owner position, they're doing, they want to be a product designer or product manager or something else, not a QA person, not doing verification or regression testing. Yeah. So that makes sense. To I me. think you need to decide first who owns QA in this organization. And of course the answer is we all own it. Well, now you need to decide like what, <laughs> what slice of the QA pie is engineering responsible for before delivering anything to the product owner. 
And after you've answered that question, then it might become obvious whether you need to hire a manual tester or another product owner. And you know, if the product owner is busy doing product owner things, then that's fine. And if they need two people to do that, that's fine. But I would not hire a QA person to offload the product owner uh, just out of as a matter of course. I'm confused. I feel like you just contradicted yourself. Well, that's pretty normal. You said right? don't hire another product <laughs> owner and tell them to do QA, but also don't hire just a QA person. So I'm sorry that I've confused you. I was just trying to get your heart to <laughs> go into another. I'm easily confused right now. It's probably not your fault. <laughs> I, now I don't even remember what I wanted to say. <laughs> I think the, the crux of it is you've got one, you got to go one layer lower into the abstraction here and solve that question of who owns QA first. Um, and it better not be your product owner. And the sub question there is, is it going to be engineers only or are we going to have a QA person that helps to do the QA function before we hand things to the product owner as complete. Yeah, I like it. Good advice, Dave. Also, if you're a startup, just go raise another $90 million and hire like 20 product owners, you know? <laughs> should be no problem. <laughs> yeah, that should be fine. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out you will have, you will have 20 products. <laughs> yep, perfect. That means more sales and you can all retire. Yeah. That's usually how it goes with startups. Yep, that's pretty much the, <laughs> that's the formula. <laughs> it's like question mark, question mark, question mark, raise funding, hire product owners, <laughs> sail off into the sunset. Exactly. I don't want to make it sound like I am belittling the role of product owners. They're great. It's also part of my role right now. So they are me. And when are you going to sail into the sunset? I'm already in the sunset. No. <laughs> when are you going to join me? I thought you were going to say after the question marks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. Have we answered the question? Pretty much. I mean, as far as I can tell. I mean, I, I, I would need a lot more detail here to really go into this. But And I would love to sit down with this team and be like, how did you get to where you are today? I mean, I think that would be such an awesome yeah. story. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, I would love to hear the product owner side. I mean, she'd probably be like, well, the engineers let a bunch of bugs through, <laughs> so I picked yeah. up the slack. You know, I mean, maybe not. I don't want to I don't want to belittle the engineering team either. Or it could just be a, a simple misunderstanding like, "Oh, I thought that's what the role of product owner was supposed to do," you know? Mm -hmm. And and I I actually don't like it when people say that's what the product owner is supposed to do, which is what I spent the last 15 minutes saying. Um because mm. frankly, it may not work for every team the same way, right? Yeah. So there you go. Cool. Well, question answered. Where can people go if they want to get their own questions answered? They can go to softskills.audio and then click the ask a question button and uh, fill out our handy Google form. They, if, they, if they've gotten their question answered or just had their spirits lifted by listening, they can also click the, where is it? <laughs> the support us on ah, Patreon? the giant green support us on <laughs> Patreon button. <laughs> Um, and that will take you to a website whose name is made up and not a real word <laughs> where you can uh, you can support us and we would really appreciate that. Yes, thank you very much. And I also want to just send out a big thank you to the 56 people who have submitted ratings for us. A whole bunch of five-star ratings. Oh, we're, wow. We're very appreciative of that. Yeah, thank you. I haven't checked those in a while. Yeah, me either. So thank you very much. We appreciate that. That, that actually helps people find our show a little bit better in the search results, we think. 
there's a bunch of I'm sure there's a bunch of like magical machine learning ranking algorithms going on, but we think that Oh, you the, mean mechanical Turk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean someone gets paid a penny to drag things around in a yep. GUI or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. With that, we will catch you next week. All right. Thank you.